Feminine Critique. I'm Emily, and with me, as always, is my host who's going to put on her best British accent. I, Governor. Yeah! <laughs> yeah, I, I prefer to go, like, Cockney for it. I'm not posh enough. It's, I think, for any American doing a British accent, we do one of the two, right? So... If whatever you feel, you really can't go wrong. I think either way, because Gwyneth Paltrow well, think you can go it. wrong. Whoa! Uh, spoiler alert to how Christine feels about something we're going to talk about on this episode. But we're not doing it alone, are we? Um, no. There's someone on the in the room. There there's is someone a, on the call. There's another call know, coming know, from inside. <laughs> oh, please! Oh, oh! Keep, keep, keep going with thing. that. The whole time. Whole time. Introduce yourself, mystery, mysterious wanker. Oh God! Hey guys, it's Mike White. Yeah, we got the big guns for this episode. <laughs> for some reason, one. <laughs> for some reason, he picked the movie. That's true. So everybody, Mike White from the projection booth, uh, legendary movie talker, movie writer, movie knower, and sworn enemy of Quentin Tarantino, it is none other than Mike White in the house. I'm a good movie talker. The best, the best. there is. A movie chatter, perhaps. You're um, trying to chat me up now. Indeed! Uh, Mike, why are we talking in terrible British accents? Because we are talking about the, what is it, 1998 film? Oh, yeah, I think so. Sliding Doors. Sliding Doors. I can't not say it that way because of the Kimmy Schmidt episode where they keep saying it and stretching out the O's. That's all I hear now whenever I think about Sliding Doors. So I, I, we're going to find out why exactly Mike settled on this movie. Um, I can't I know. My theory is just that he's covered every other movie in existence on the projection booth. This, this was the one left. <laughs> uh, Mike, how long have you been doing the projection booth? Uh, I think like eight years. Wow. Yeah. How many thousands of hours worth of podcasting is that? I think it's like 1,200 hours worth. I see. I would have thought it was even more. Yeah, I, I would have hit, hit higher there. Yeah. It's impressive, though. Oh, very much. And the quality... Still super duper high. Seriously. Whoa. <laughs> There's Not been no much. slides. No. So, I mean, congratulations. Well, no. thank you. Unlike this show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have our <laughs> ebbs and flows, I think. I know. That's true. Oh, geez. Somebody's uh, feeling. Uh, do, do you want to tell me something here, Christine? Is there. No, look, I'm just intimidated, so I feel like I need to put us down. <laughs> Um, we we are very excited to have Mike here. Um, Christine and I have both guested on the projection booth for different films over the years. I was on there for the 1984 and Requiem for a Dream and Contact episodes, I believe. Mm -hmm. And Christine, you were there for... Um, Firewalk with me, um, Twin Peaks The Return, uh, Children of Men. Nice. Yeah, some good ones. Yeah, Mike has covered every movie ever made except for Sliding Doors, so yeah. now we get him here. Um, so this was on my to-do list. Was it so. really? Oh my yeah. god! Who were you going to interview? 
I don't know. It was just kind of, uh, it was a suggestion from a friend of mine, and so I put it on the list, and then I really like the film Duets, so I was talking with the director slash writer of Duets for a while, and they kind of let me down, but maybe I can rekindle that flame someday. Mm-hmm. All right, so maybe this will be like a dry run for you on Sliding Doors. Like, you're going to get a lot of it out, and then this way, when like you approach it with the talent involved, you're going to have your fake British accent perfectly mastered. <laughs> I've been doing a fake British accent since 1984. <laughs> nice. All right, so before we get to Sliding Doors, uh, we like to go into some of the other movies we've been watching. Uh, and because we are ladies, then we uh, act as ladies do and let the gentlemen go first. So, oh Mike, my. would you like to tell us some of the films that you have been watching as of late? Well, I went to see Us the other day. Ooh, okay, <gasps> I haven't seen it. Don't spoil anything. Just... Well, Mike, I've seen it twice, so you can spoil it. No, <laughs> no. I'm look. I won't talk about it. I'm sure Mike is a very he's a very nice man. He won't talk about it. Either. I will pull the plug right now. No, I will not talk about it. I wanted to see it within the first week before it got ruined for me, yep. and I was just one of these like I'm scrolling past this. I'm scrolling past yeah, this earmuffs, now. Earmuffs. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. Yep. Looking at Did, the internet with one eye. It's been Did difficult. you like it? I enjoyed it. I imagine you enjoyed it a lot since you saw it twice. I saw it twice. I saw it in Dolby the second time because our Dolby Dolby theater is actually really good. The sound is way better and the the picture is way better. And for like a darker movie like that, it actually does enhance it. Like you can see everything. So we decided to just go see it again because they put it in Dolby. So yes, I, I loved it, but I don't want to get ahead. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I've been one movie behind on all the movies that I want to see lately, so I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm trying really hard to watch it before everything gets ruined. So a recommend from both of you. That's good. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I finally saw In the Mouth of Madness for the first time. Oh, whoa. What was that like? That was interesting. I really like Sam Neill in that, and I He's wish great. that Sam Neill and John Carpenter had done more stuff together. That's a really good point. Because they work really well together in that movie. And you see it. Sam Neill is is so good, but doesn't always get the chance to really go for it, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he gets to go for it in that one. Big time. Yeah. Oh, that's a fun. I feel like when I watched it maybe 10 years ago, I had the same reaction from everybody else of like, you've never seen it. So I'm impressed that you went that long without it. Yeah, actually, I had one of my listeners sent me a Blu-ray of it because they were shocked and dismayed that I'd never seen it before. <laughs> it's hard to disappoint people sometimes. Yeah. yeah. It's not one of those, I mean, it is, but it's not one of those, like, tentpole Carpenter movies that people always talk about. I Like, I know that people that we run with do, I was going to say, I feel like but our friends do. Are, are, like, certain groups, absolutely, yes. but, like, if you were just to talk, like, a casual movie fan who knows Car- who Carpenter is, I don't think that's going to be one of their, their polls as, like, one of the best, but that movie's, like, deeply unsettling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, who's it, John Glover as the psychiatrist? I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody is firing on all cylinders in there, and I was so happy when Jurgen Pranschnow showed up, because mm-hmm. I didn't know who played Sutter Kane, so I was like, oh, wow, this and is great. perfect casting. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, there's some big concepts in that movie that I almost wish he then made a movie about. Like, there's a bunch of big themes happening that I think you could have taken out and made another movie of. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's a little messy to me, but I'm I'm glad it exists. And I saw The Two Jakes for the first time. 
I've never seen. I used to have a big poster of the two Jakes. Actually, it was a vinyl poster from the movie theater that I worked at, and I really liked the image of Jack Nicholson in that and had it up in my basement for years, but finally just watched the movie for the first time. Whoa, so you had a poster hanging up of a movie you'd never seen? Is that like wearing a concert t-shirt to a I, concert you didn't go to? I legitimately just thought that if I did that, I would be flayed alive. <laughs> <laughs> Repping something just because it looked cool or because mm-hmm. I liked who was in it. I got I got anxious when you said that. I was like, oh god, was anybody mean to you? I mean, I can edit this out if we need to, guys. Well, it was, truth be told, it was in my folks' basement when I was growing up, and like I think I was eighteen when I put that up. And yeah, I just it was it was playing at the theater where I was working and managed to walk home with it. So yeah, was it worth I it? Was... Do you feel like eighteen-year-old you was made the right decision? 18-year-old me made the right decision of not seeing that movie then. Um, oh. Well, and because I hadn't seen Chinatown yet. So I ah. only saw Chinatown for the first time when I was in college. So that was a few years later. Okay. And, yeah, um, it's interesting. It's an interesting film. I can't say that it's great, but um, it wasn't as horrible as I thought it would be. Because people <laughs> just made it out like it was... Just absolutely one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, I've only heard bad things. That's one of the reasons why I've never like sought it out. Yeah, it's not bad. Cool. It's weird seeing James Hong playing a Chinese person, but I suppose <laughs> he's done that a bunch of times in his life. I think most oh, Asian actors, especially of that era, definitely did. Yeah, and I'm sorry, a Japanese actor is what I meant to say. Yep. Japanese character. Yes. Do you guys know what I'm trying to say? Do you know yeah, what I'm going we, for? We got, okay, I got thank it. you. We got, we got it. Our listeners are <laughs> smart. Right. We're fine. Yeah. So I can keep going or I can just stop right now. No, give us a few more. Okay. Uh, finally watched The Other Side of the Wind, doing an episode about ah, that. Yes, yes. I, Christine, you watched those not that long ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I still haven't because it just seems like a daunting task to have to watch two movies together. Um, yeah. I mean, I get why you would feel that way. But yeah. <laughs> how did you feel about it in the end, Mike? Well, I'm very glad I saw the documentary about it. And there's also on Netflix, it's kind of hidden. But if you go under trailers, there's actually like, a, I want to say it's like 20 or 40 minutes, um, another making of thing about how they actually did the restoration, which is really cool. fascinating. Interesting. Now, are you going to do an episode just on the other side of the wind? Or is it going to be that with the other movie that whose name I can't think of? We'll probably talk about, I think it's called something like, They'll Love Me When I'm Dead. That's it. Yeah, but only just kind of in passing. Um, But yeah, we did an episode on Other Side of the Wind 2015, so way before they even Netflix picked it up. So revisiting it and then talking to some of the people that I talked to back then, plus talking to Bob Murawski, the editor, who I think should have gotten an Academy Award for it, especially after seeing clips of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and seeing how <laughs> awful the editing was in that. It's like it's like a joke. I well, I didn't well, I didn't see that movie, but I have seen clips of the editing, and it yeah. feels like a bad joke. I watched yeah. five minutes of it on a plane. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's an Oscar winner right there. No, it's oh, not. Boy, yeah. Oh, Meanwhile, poor Bob Murawski's editing this footage from like 30, 40 years ago. <laughs> Yep. The audio's missing, the film quality's terrible, just doing all this stuff to piece this <laughs> thing together, and yeah, just fucking. you, Only to Bob. lose to Bohemian Rhapsody, yeah. Yeah, 
Sorry. Yeah, don't put too much stick in the Oscars, folks. It'll just hurt you. It'll always hurt you. And I also watched an Australian film called The Money Movers, which was a heist film from 78. Ooh, that sounds good. I'm still not sure what to think about it. It moves so fast. I couldn't believe how quick the editing was here in 1978. It was just like, I'm counting the the seconds between shots. And there were a couple where I'm just like, one, one, two, one, one, two. And I'm just like, holy shit, this is going quick. Interesting. I've never heard of it. Is any anybody of note behind it or in it? Uh, Brian Brown is oh, in it. Uh, very Brown. small role. And I think it was... Bruce Beresford might have directed it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, some real talent behind there. And then Terry Cal- Calamari, who most people in the States know him as playing uh, Napoleon in the Bill and Ted film. <laughs> oh, okay. That, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would see anything else he does because yeah. he is amazing in that movie. He was in it and he is such a badass, which is crazy. Because, yeah. I mean, the guy, if he's five foot five, he's an inch. And just him being a badass was really kind of crazy. Hey, hey, do not underestimate short people and their power. I do. <laughs> not enough people. Not enough room for them to do great oh, things. Oh, really? Really? <laughs> oh. You know that I'm kidding, you dork. Wow. People like you, Christine. People like you reason i never played basketball anyway i'm the reason <laughs> yes the yeah, entire reason she was ready existence. to do it before you two met that's right <laughs> oi all right anything else mike uh yeah just stuff for the podcast like who framed roger rabbit that's exciting uh, I'm, shut you, up did you Are just you really do that episode who framed roger rabbit? Yeah, my, Sorry, that's why. Emily and I just got excited and talked <laughs> to each other. That's why I was a little late uh, to to join you two because I was editing and I was trying to find the clip of those two chipmunks that are doing that whole "oh, after you, no, no, after you, I insist," and then only to find out that they were actually gophers. They're not chipmunks. This whole time, I thought they were chipmunks. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah, I have a random funny thing that that reminds me of. Just when you said you framed Roger Rabbit, I was at Horror Hound a few weekends ago, um, and there was a bunch of people cosplaying there, as you do. And our friend Jason took a picture of a guy that uh, now Christopher Lloyd was one of the big guests there, and Jason took a picture of a guy, and he was so excited. He's like, "Oh my God, look at this guy doing Truman Truman Capote cosplay." And I look at it, I'm like, I think he's oh. Christopher Lloyd in Who Framed Roger yep. Rabbit. Very funny. Uh, and then the guy, because you tweeted it, and the guy responded, he's like, I was actually doing Christopher Lloyd, but maybe I'll repurpose my costume next year. So oh, I never boy. thought of it, but I guess if you shrunk Christopher Lloyd in that movie down, you would have a good Truman Capote. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to hear that episode. Don't get your hopes up. Oh, oh. uh-oh. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I like the way you lowball when it comes to selling a podcast. That's kind of oh, yeah. how I how I run. And yeah, that's about it. Cool. Very cool. How All about right. Y'all? Christine, what you got? Um, I have a very long list, but I'm gonna cut it down, so I might um go I might revisit these, but I wanted to hit the ones I thought would be of particular relevance and interest. Mm-hmm. Um some newer stuff. Uh so I saw the possession of hannah grace which is a movie i was actually really excited about because and i'm excited to hear about it one of my favorite little liars oh my least it. favorite little liar but that's okay look they're all my favorite little liars at this point i get so excited when i see them in anything so i'm 
Shay Mitchell is in this from Pretty Little Liars, if, if everyone doesn't know. The prettiest of the little liars, we'll say that much. Oh, I, she, and she's, look, she's good in this. That's this good. movie is just a mess. And, and I will that, say she's really good on you, too. So I think she is a better actor so than that. She's so good on you. She's so good she's, on you, yeah. Shay Mitchell is very good, and I yes. like her. Yes. And I had high hopes for this, because I don't necessarily have any issues with the possession genre, except... It's pretty rote territory, and that's only because people seem to focus on the same aspects of yeah. it when they make a movie, which is a bummer because there's lots of other stuff going on. And I thought this one takes place in a, like in a hospital after the exorcism. That's not a spoiler. It's literally the plot of the movie. But it still manages to do exactly yeah. what any other like movie would do. Not even necessarily a possession movie, but just kind of like a any spooky air quotes movie and it's a real bummer because there's so much wasted potential and the hospital they're in is fucking weird looking and creepy looking is there nobody in the hospital no it's the night shift of course and it's like super cool but it's really disappointing and it seems messy and i meant to like read up about it and see if there were issues i think there were a lot of i think they were like they had to carved down to a PG-13. Oh, I know I've read sense. that there was a lot of reshoots or re-editing on that movie. It felt like it. It felt disjointed and it felt like what for one minute a character's over here and the next minute you're like, wait, when did that character die? Like, it, it's one of those. I didn't appreciate So that. we shouldn't have a three-hour projection booth episode on it. Is that what you're telling Mike? Look, I still will ca- cover every, mo- every movie, specifically horror movie that A Little Liar is in, but <laughs> this one is not good. It's It actually might be a little bit better than Truth or Dare, which is Lucy Hale's most recent mm-hmm. horror movie, but it's not, not good. Okay not good um I'm, i went to the theater very excited to see the movie greta i don't know if everybody's oh, I, I, see that. I want to i i hated it with the passion <gasps> of the oh, no. i was i was um i know that we we you know people get weird when you use this word and they're like oh but i was like legitimately triggered by this movie Ooh. i was so angry at the way everything was handled in it it ruined my night I was in an awful mood. It is so poorly written, so poorly constructed, and oh. it, it made me so mad. I, I I don't often say that I hate something and wow. something has no merit. I could not stand this movie. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, it, I'm fascinated to hear that because I've heard some people that have kind of said like, oh, it's campy, it's what you want, and then others who said, yeah, but it's like people that should like it that have not liked it. Um, it's Neil Jordan, which yeah, I know. is exciting. But that's really interesting to hear. It was so such a poor facsimile of like a movie about women. Mm, it okay. it was like a robot wrote a movie and was like <laughs> okay. women in this movie. Like <sighs> that reminds me of a line from Sliding Doors that I have to be sure to mention <laughs> later about women. Anyway, um, so I want everybody to see it because I yeah. want to talk about it until I die. But <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Gotcha. Um, I watched a bunch of Melissa McCarthy movies I'd never seen because I'm a super fan. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's become our the, rule that we have to mention a Melissa McCarthy movie every episode, I think. Then I'll hold off on some of them, but I will mention Tammy as a movie, a movie that I am hesitant to to blanket recommend. But if anybody has a passing interest in Melissa McCarthy, it's a it's actually a like a really kind of upsetting road trip movie with her and her grandmother played by Susan Sarandon. And I didn't realize that. Is what it was about. Interesting. So it's a mild recommend just for McCarthy. Super oh, fans. it's 
it's a fucking weird premise. Like, that's a weird movie. I didn't, like, I don't know. It's strange. Um, so I will say watch it because of that. Hopefully I'm coming through loud and clear. You are. Um, yes. I saw Captain Marvel. As I don't want to talk about it. Okay. We're, spo- we're supposed to talk about it. Um, but I, I watched it. And As then... a woman, isn't your duty to watch it and to talk about it? <laughs> I, I think so. But, like, I would have watched it anyways. Because I still see every Marvel movie. I won't eventually. Because I don't like a lot of them anymore. But it's not for me anymore. Um, I have a big recommend. Ooh. A big fat recommend. Ooh. So um, you, are you aware of the new release, Isn't It Romantic? <gasps> that, uh, that's by the guy that did Final Girls, right? It's to buy the guy that did Final Girls. Why wasn't that on the fucking poster? That's a because very no good one point. Cared. Well, Nobody no, you know what's care. so funny though to me because I think we talked about that when we did Final Girls and we were so excited because we we're like, oh my god, he's doing a romantic comedy with the same premise. That's great. And then when I saw the previews for it, I'm like, oh, that's that's the final. And every body that I talked, and granted, this is just because of like our circle of people. Everybody I knew was like, oh, I don't know, uh, romantic comedy, I don't want to see it. I'm like, no, it's the guy that did Final Girls. And they were like, oh, oh, I get it now. Yeah. But, so yes, yeah, so they should have put it on the poster, because then maybe it would have made money, because I don't think it did. Yeah, I don't think it did either. It's a tremendous movie. Mm. Good, good. I thought it was fantastic. Yes. Mike, did I was... you see Final Girls? No, I didn't even know what it was about until just now. <gasps> uh, Final <gasps> Girls, it's not so the Final good. Girl. Final Girls, plural, with Thaisa Farmiga. Uh, watch it. It is so good. Okay. Yes. It's tr- it's tremendous. And this movie is everything that I wanted and things I didn't realize I wanted. Mm. It's so funny and so good. And it hit, it strikes such a perfect tone. Like it's mocking of the subject matter, mm-hmm. but like, it's not ever mean or like, like ugly. It's a, it's a really sweet, good movie. Mm. I'm excited. Cause I was assuming it would be like that. Uh, and yeah. I wanted to see it in the theaters, but it just came at a time when I really couldn't it, get out. It sipped. It was gone. Yeah. Quick too. It, it and, showed up and was gone. And then I didn't hear anything about it. Like, nobody I knew went to see it. All the reviews I read were pretty mediocre on it. And I was kind of bummed because I thought, oh, maybe, like, once you give this guy, like, a, you know, kind of bigger nope. cinematic budget, things go down. But I am glad to hear you liked it. That makes me happy. It's Zach really liked it too. It was a good movie. It wasn't, and like having a not a working knowledge of like romantic comedy tropes obviously makes it funnier-ish. Sure. But like, it doesn't matter. It's still just a really well constructed, well well told story, and it it's it's fun. And there's visual stuff that's really interesting. I don't know. It's nice. it's a really good movie. Very cool. I think that people should. I hope it's one of those, and I get mad when this happens sometimes. Mm. But I hope that it's one of those that once it does like get a a release. People go like, whoa, why didn't we go and see yeah. this in the, type like of thing? The, a perfect getaway for the romantic comedy genre kind of thing. Yes, exactly yeah. like mm-hmm. a perfect getaway. I hear you. I love that movie. Um, I guess the last one that I'll mention is another um, new release, and it's Captive State. Um, it's Just... John Goodman and... Other people and like there's aliens and You're making this up. What is this movie you're talking about? It's, it's called Cast the City. I saw it in the movie theater. I saw the poster. I didn't know what the hell it was about because it was just that dude standing there with a bunch with of like smoke. red cloud. Yeah. 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 I was like, wow, that really movie. sells it. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, it's about like an alien um invasion 
and like, like what Cloverfield lane. Yes, and like what life is like after like an alien invasion and like the aliens. Okay, well and, like, I see Vera Farmiga's in. name in the cast, so now I'm interested. Yeah. Um, it was okay. It's interesting enough. I don't know that it was marketed super well because no, because I never heard of it, so I didn't know what I was getting into. But I think that's one of those that once it you know hits home markets and streams and stuff like people will see and have strong opinions either way mm. i could see why people wouldn't like it it's a, a kind of a t- story that's been told in different forms before but like whatever i like a good alien invasion sure like uprising movie like why not okay i hear you uh, uh I, if i knew what it was about i might have been interested but i feel like yeah, i didn't I think- know anything about this movie we saw like maybe one actual trailer for it before mm. something random, and I was like, "Wait, that movie's about aliens?" I had no idea. Interesting. So, and then we I saw Us twice, and that's nice. it. That's all I'll talk about. There's other stuff, but we'll cover it some other time. Okay. Um, my list is also pretty short. Uh, you mentioned Truth or Dare with Lucy Hale, as I think we both know, there is another Truth or Dare without I Lucy Hale that. that is on Netflix, and I watched that one. Uh, it is, it's directed by the guy that did The Girl in the Photographs. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, my mom likes this version. This of version of Truth story. or Dare? So, <laughs> yes. here's the thing, this is, it's terrible, but it was exactly what I wanted it to be, so I kind of loved it. Like, it's stupid. It's very, all the, the characters have, their only defining trait is who they are dating or who else they have slept with. Um, or there's like a character who's seen taking a pill, and then the next scene, her truth is, are you an addict? And if like, so it's very, very simple, um, mm-hmm. but it's very, it's very mean. It's very, you know, uh, as soon as you start to like the characters, terrible things start happening to them. Uh, but I don't know. I was kind of in the mood for a throwaway slasher, and that really is what this is. So it's. I can't say how it compares to the evil Snapchat version of this movie, but I don't know. It's If you want a dumb horror movie, this isn't bad. Uh, a movie that I thought was going to be like a fun horror movie, but is actually not a horror movie at all. And Christine, I know you've seen it. Uh, I watched In Darkness with Natalie Dormer on Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot I had watched that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie tries really, really hard to do a lot it didn't need to do that much. It has a, a title that begs to be forgotten. I, it, oh, I really yes. had to like think about what this movie was. <laughs> so Natalie Dormer is a blind pianist. Yeah, the blind, the blind movie. Yeah. But she's also a um, like Serbian war refugee who's trying to get revenge on this Serbian war criminal. And then Julia Richardson is in there. And then mm-hmm. there's another twist and another twist. And... There's and then it has the stupidest final twist of all, and you can kind of see it coming. Um, and when, when once you get to that twist, you're like, wait, this makes everything in this movie make no sense at make all. No sense. No yep. sense whatsoever. But I love Natalie Dormer, and I'll watch her do anything. Um, yeah, she's fine in she's it. Great. Yeah, and she co-wrote the movie, and you know, I don't know. Try again. Try again, Natalie. I'm rooting for you. Uh, just don't make a sequel to this movie, please. Uh, on the Melissa McCarthy train, did I talk about what? Life at the Party last time? I don't think so, okay. but I loved it. Did you it's like fun. it? Yeah, and again, this is another one that uh, not a critical success by any means, but it's just it's really sweet. It's um, very nice. Yeah, yeah, it's got a good I don't know, it's, you know I don't like mean 
right. as much as I like genre-y stuff, I don't like mean stuff. And movies like this tend to get mean. Well, and I think I even asked you that when you talked about it. Because I remember from the trailers, it looked like it was very, oh, Melissa McCarthy's playing a mom and we're going we're gonna to make fun of her. And it was, you know, I'm like, I don't need to watch a movie where Melissa McCarthy falls and everybody laughs. Like, I don't yeah. need to see that. And it's not that at all. It's actually, like, she is confident. She gets to be sexy in this movie. Um, it's it, it's not greatly constructed. Like, the end, and I think you could see it in, like, the last five minutes that just kind of end. And it just doesn't, it feels like something should happen and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But it's just her being great and... It just really, like, cemented for me, like, how good she is, I think, when she is gets to play a character and not just kind of uh, do stupid things. So, uh, yeah, I liked it. A movie that it took me three times to watch, and I thought I was going to give up on it. I thought I couldn't get through it. Um, we talk about, like, mean, like you just said, you don't really like watching mean movies. I really thought I couldn't finish eighth grade. I started watching it, and I got about... Did I, I? I almost just asked you if I saw this. I don't think I did. Did you see this, uh, Mike? Did you see this? <laughs> no, no, okay. I have not. Okay, it's on Amazon Prime now. It was. I think it. It didn't get any. It had won a lot of awards pre-Oscars, and then it was shut out from the Oscars. Um, it is about an eighth grader, and it's just you know she's pretty insecure and she's shy. Oh, and life is really hard when you're fourteen. Yeah, I definitely didn't see it, but I know I know a lot about it. Yeah, I watched about maybe a half hour of it. And I think I had to stop it. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll get back to that later. And then like a few days later, I'm like, okay, I guess I should keep going. And I started watching more of it. And I get like halfway through it and I stop it. I'm like, I don't think I can watch this anymore. This is so not upsetting. Like it's not terrible. Things aren't happening, but it was making me so anxious um, because I was just remembering that age. And I have nieces that are that age now. And it was just so awkward. And there's so much in those years for a teenage girl who's not secure with herself, which is really every teenage girl at that age, that I really just didn't, I'm like, I don't think I want to finish this. I don't think I need to see, I'm sure Mm, more embarrassing things are going to happen. And I I powered through, like enough people assured me that it like, like so many things, it gets better. Uh, And it's worth watching. It's really good. Um, It's, it's a hard watch, but it, it is uplifting in the end. Like it's not, tragic the awkwardness is kind of mediated by other things happening it spoiler alert ends on an up note if you will um so it is worth powering through um but at the same time i'm like i don't think i need to watch a movie like that for a really long time now it just it hit too close i guess i don't know Mm -hmm. um i watched an indonesian action movie action horror comedy that's on netflix now called target which with a bunch of indonesian actors playing themselves I think if you know Indonesian action movies, maybe it's good. But if you don't, it's really not good. So that's that. Uh, and then on Shutter today, I watched Revenge. Okay, how was that? Um, I liked it, Christine. I know you saw it, and you had did I, I? feel like you had conflicting thoughts oh, on it. Oh, I did see that. I, I I don't know what movies are today. Yes, I saw <laughs> it, and I had mixed feelings on it, but overall, really enjoyed it. It's good. It's really well made. Um, there are aspects of it that I that didn't necessarily play well for me. Yeah, but overall, I, it really worked. I think what's interesting, and I don't think I'm unique in saying this because I feel like this is probably w- the reason why this movie has gotten so much traction. It's a standard rape revenge thriller, 
but it's told from a woman's perspective. It's a female writer director. And when you, when you look at it from that viewpoint, you could see that you could tell it is making choices that most of these movies don't make or would have made a different choice. Um, It's just, it's not showing you things that you don't need to see. It's, um, you know, you have the, the last act, one of the male villains is naked the entire time. Yeah. Like, there's decisions that you could see she made very deliberately where it just, it, it's one of those cases of, okay, well, you know, you can talk about representation and, you know, getting more women behind the camera. Okay. Here's a case where you put a woman behind the camera to tell the same story that men have been telling for 60 years and you do get a different product and you can see that. Um, just have a few more. Uh, the 2013 remake of Evil Dead, I finally watched. Oh, yeah. I haven't watched it since I first watched it, and I liked it. But I am i don't know. I reserve the right to change that yeah. opinion. Uh, Mike, where did you fall? You had a... Yeah, I wasn't a big fan. It's fine. Uh, it. I like that it's not going... It's kind of doing its own thing. It's kind of saying, all right, we're remaking... Or we're looking at the first film. We're not making it a comedy. We're not leaning into all of the things that you know about Evil Dead. We're just kind of telling that story as a horror movie differently. I thought the concept was good. The idea of, oh, it's, uh, you know, getting somebody off of heroin just because it gives you a really good center and a really kind of good justification for why all of this is happening in a sense. Um, and it's it was fine. No, nothing I need to see again, but I'm also not the biggest Evil Dead franchise fan. Um, so, yeah, you know. And then two more on my end. Last night on Hulu, I watched Sorry to Bother You. Oh, yeah. What did you think? I really liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah. I mean, I wish I'd gone in knowing... I didn't know that much, but I knew that it gets really crazy. And I wish I'd gone in not knowing that, because it would have made the crazy even crazier. Yeah, I didn't realize it was going to do what it did. Yeah. Yeah, I had no clue. I was very happily surprised. Um, yeah, like because it's that's what I want all my movies to do. I want movies to just turn into something you never saw coming, and this one does that. Um, and it's it's one of those like it, it probably needs another viewing to kind of really understand. I think there's a lot going on that um, I didn't get on first watch, but I just appreciate it. I I want more movies like this, whether it's from this guy or other people. So. Uh, and then last, um, I hosted, it was last week at the Alamo Draft House, a screening of Stuart Gordon's Dolls, which Woo! meant I got to watch Dolls. And my God, I love Dolls. Christine, you still haven't seen it, I know. No. That's okay. <laughs> One day you'll be like, Ian, you've not seen it. And I'll be like, actually, I have, and I've been waiting for this moment. And you're going to tell me it's the greatest thing you've ever seen in your life, and I'll be yep. happy. Mike, I haven't seen it either, if what? it makes you feel better. No, it doesn't. That makes me feel terrible. Makes I was talking better. to Christine, yeah. Mike, it's like, it's 78 minutes long. 78 minutes long. I've seen the video box cover like a thousand, hundred yeah, thousand I don't know what, times. Enough. I can tell you what that looks like. Oh yeah. Gosh. God, 78 minutes. That's like, what, three episodes of uh, Double Dare. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> So next time I'm thinking of binging Double Barrel. <laughs> instead, it'd be like, you know what, let me watch Dolls instead. Ah, hmm. oh, man. it. I am, I am, I mean, I, again, I knew about Christine, but I didn't know there were two people <laughs> that I talked to who appreciate movies who hadn't seen it. Uh, it is such a delight. Because it, it is unlike anything. 
in that it is has such a specifically Stuart Gordon tone. It is sweet. Uh, it is brutal. There are some crazy gore effects and things happening, but it has such a heart to it where it is ultimately a little fairy tale about a little girl and a nice man. And that's all you really need to know. And why have you not watched it yet? It just I, hurts me. That's all. I don't know. Maybe one day. Okay. Maybe two hurt you. I, and I'm going to go on hurting you. Well, you are because you know what we're going to do now. Talk about slotting doors, everybody. Uh, yep. Those were my watches. So we are going to take a break. Um, maybe get a haircut or maybe not. Uh, I'm going to go put some shit in my hair. <laughs> that's what we did in the 90s. We put yeah. a lot of little thingies in her hair. You remember that, right, Christine? I. She looked like Adelia's catalog. Now, if anybody, <laughs> if anybody knows what I'm going for well, here. Any, any lady that was between the age of 10 and 18, anywhere between 1993 and 2002, knows what Adelia's catalog is. So, Mike, you were there, right? I was, but I don't remember what you're talking about. Oh, so much education. We're going to take a break and give Mike a primer on Adelia's, and when we come back, we're going to talk about sliding doors. It's been a long day. And a nice hot detox shower. Come on. So right before I showered, I did my dry brushing routine. You can actually do this before or after the shower. I like to do it before. And this is our um, dry brush, which is professional strength. So it definitely does the job of exfoliation and improving circulation, etc. When I was in the shower, I used my two favorite Goop Gtox products. The first is this incredible Himalayan salt scalp scrub, which I cannot say fast five times in a row. It's this gorgeous shampoo with uh, Himalayan sea salt crystals in it, so it really scrubs your scalp so clean um, while not drying out your hair. It's an amazing shampoo. Very innovative, if you ask me. And of course, our five salt detox body scrub which has beautiful oils and all kinds of salts and it just leaves your skin feeling so smooth and having a beautiful glow and getting you really clean but also very hydrated at the same time and now i'm gonna do my nighttime face routine so i start always with my exfoliating instant facial this is to me like a professional facial in a jar it is so efficacious, so I put it on. On the jar, it says to only use it three times a week, but I use it every night. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it on until it starts to really tingle. What I like so much when you get a professional facial is that there are always a couple of kinds of exfoliation. So we developed this instant facial to have an acid, tingly exfoliation, and then also a manual exfoliation. So. After it starts to really tingle, which it's starting so, to do now. 21 years ago. Then, 21 years ago, Sliding Doors came out in theaters. And I believe was a decent hit. I think it you know, wasn't a huge blockbuster, but uh, did good business and helped propel Gwyneth Paltrow to you know, the next level of stardom. Uh, and I think I saw it on video probably sometime in 1999 or so. 
I did not see it in the theaters. Now, Christine, when had you seen Sliding Doors? What was your first experience with it? I don't think I had ever. Oh, boy. So this was your first watch. Yeah. All right. And Mike, what was your first experience with Sliding Doors? This was my first time, too. Whoa! I thought you were a super fan, and that's why you wanted us to watch it and talk about it. No, no. I just wanted to watch it, and I had heard good things about it. So I was like, well, I won't recommend something super shitty to you. Ha <laughs> um, Do you still feel that way? I didn't mind it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was okay. I like that's the... been our episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it. I remember. I mean, I guess I would have been like seventeen or eighteen when I saw this. I'm pretty sure I watched it like maybe in college with roommates. So it was very much a a, a movie that women watched in the nineties. And there are things about it that I remember always really liking. And obviously, like, the concept of the whole sliding doors thing has been played in many other ways and certainly wasn't original to this. But I think since then, this has been the reference that any time you do a concept like this, like Broad City had an episode of this same idea, and I think the episode was called Sliding Doors. So it's become certainly synonymous with that. Uh, Christine, before we get into what we all thought, can you give us, uh, and also remember people, we spoil everything, so we're going to go into detail. If you haven't seen Sliding Doors, you can watch it on Netflix right now. It's on there on Instant. Christine, tell everybody what this movie is about. This movie is about Gwyneth Paltrow, and she gets fired for some reason and she comes home early from work and there's a point where she can either make it on this this train this tube ride or she misses it and then we see get to see diverging storylines whether she had made it on the train or not um and then so that we don't get confused, she has a little cut. And then when she doesn't have a little cut, she has different hair. So we know the two different Gwyneths. And I guess we're supposed to think, like, one is, like, the really good path and one is the bad path. But, like, I never thought that. So when oh. they didn't they didn't go, one of them wasn't going that well, I was like, well, yeah, why would this go well? Anyways, stuff happens. And <laughs> eventually, I guess there's one again. But... <laughs> This movie is so long and nothing happens in it. Well, I think that's something... We we did an episode on Timer about a year or two ago. And Timer did something that I love, which is it's sort of a high concept idea, but it's put in a really simple, realistic, basic human story. And so it takes this crazy concept and it puts it in the hands of just normal people going about their day and how this thing affects them. And because the characters are charming, it totally works, and it's fascinating, and it's great, and all that. In this case, it's the same thing, right? You take this big concept of your life would be completely different, and we're going to show you those two varying paths if you made, you know, if two seconds of your life was different. If you caught that train or if you didn't catch that train, totally different life, except the stories just aren't that interesting either way. It's it's a great idea. I think it's a fascinating idea because I often do think like it's a multiverse style idea, yes, very much. which is which is extremely fascinating and I love. So it's not the premise that I have a problem with. It's just that it deals with the most trite, stupid, inconsequential like flowy girl air quotes ideas like mm. I'm going to start my own PR for like she should have just been an interior decorator. There was nothing tangible 
and weighty about this. And that's no shade on actual people who are in PR or interior decorators. Those are just like the things like, so, like make somebody an architect. Like <laughs> well, that's literally that. her job. And is... Isn't it romantic? That's her job. And isn't it romantic that she's an architect? And I think that that's a funny throwaway commentary thing about people's jobs in movies like this. Is like, this she the birth of the party planner in Hallmark movies? Oh, it's just, it's just, there's no weight to anything. Nothing. But, but the, and the the thing that really, I'm going to shut up in a second, but the thing that really gets to me is there are things in here that should have weight. There's like, there's an, an abusive relationship. There's gaslighting. There's extreme infidelity. There's unwanted pregnancies. Spoilers, everyone. There's some shit happening, but everybody's just like, I have a, I have a bobby pin in my hair in a weird place. Like that's <laughs> all this movie is. I'll, I'm done. I'll stop. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel, Christine. I really didn't like this movie. I found it kind of offensive. And then there's this line at the end. Oh boy, we'll get there. But this movie, very tone deaf. Please, Mike, what did you think? Well, apparently I liked it better than you did. <laughs> um, I also like this whole idea of the multiverse. I had asked you, ladies, if you had seen Mr. Nobody by Jaco Van Dormial, which is um, surprisingly nobody knows about it and it's got no uh, I, I know I it's Jared Leto's in it right yes yes yeah I just haven't seen it but it's been recommended before yeah I, if people like it I'll actually be surprised because it's a lot of Leto to uh, to handle oh, there was um, a time when I mean talk about the 90s there was a time when we all liked a lot of Leto but oh yeah boy. I couldn't get enough Leto yeah. but now I don't know after after Suicide Squad holy shit it was, yeah. it was a little Leto goes a long way. I think it was way. a pre. It was really like the Oscars, right before that, when he was suddenly like, yeah. "I'm a trans activist." I think that's well, when, when it started. When going he to called coward. trans folks beautiful creatures, yeah. that's when I was out. But he is the best Joker, hands down, bar none. He is the best Joker ever to be on screen. I have not seen Suicide Squad, I, so I can either confirm I, or deny that. I'm going to die on that Suicide Squad hill <laughs> all by are. myself. I'm just going to die up there and you can come and leave me Joker colored flowers and be like, she died doing what she loved, repping for a movie nobody liked. How about I give you used condoms? <laughs> he's, he's the worst person. Oh, he he's really like, is. He's a, he's a literal garbage person. Oh, God. And remember that in the 90s said. how he dated everybody? Yep. It was like this weird thing where you could do, like, he was the Kevin Bacon of Six Degrees of dating in like us weekly because he dated like ashley simpson and then dated scarlett johansson and one of the olsen twins and like you made this giant web and it was every woman between the ages of 18 and 28 who was famous for anything at one point had sex with jordan catalano it was very strange thank you for referring to him by his proper name because for the longest time i didn't know his name and i was just like oh it's jordan catalano yeah or jared catalano or jordan leto i still jordan leto is the one that always comes in my head then i realized wait a minute too many too many multiverses right there although in fairness that's probably what he is in real life until he got crazy as a fan of star trek discovery and i'm just like okay well there's ricky and i've got jared leto coming out of my ass with everything and then claire danes (laughs) i see on a fairly regular basis i'm just like where's brian i never see brian Brian krakow yeah yeah or or um oh the character i always liked because i identified most with was it sharon the one everybody, the friend that everybody hated, like, that's who I always 
felt for. Not AJ. Are you, no, 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 no. Because like everybody loved. Um, Did oh my! They? Why can't I think of her name? Character's name? Ryan. No, Ryan Graff. Like was the one everybody loved. I didn't know that. But Sharon was Claire Danes's friend before Claire Danes decided to be friends with. Um, yeah, with I know. Them. What you're about. So it was like she was kind of like an overachiever. She was like the Brian Krakow of women, and everybody of gave course, her a hard that's time. That's the one that you related yeah. to. Nerd. Exactly. I was a nerd. <laughs> she was the Barb of my so-called life. Totally. Only only back when the Barb wasn't cool. That was the problem. Right. Yeah. So the nineties were a frustrating time in many ways. And in the case of sliding doors, I think um one thing we absolutely have to do, and might as well just do it now. Let's talk about all you can make a drinking game in terms of nineties in this movie. So, if anybody catch any, like, aside from putting stuff in your hair, other 90s-isms? Well, the soundtrack, of oh, course. So oh, 90s. yeah. All those, like, female power ballads. And then, just as I was writing that down in my notes, the ending comes up, and it's Dino's oh, Thank boy. You. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. This is a real snapshot of a time that so much. I could do without. Yeah, the, um, the thin eyebrows. The th- I was I was going to say, yeah. those were dangerously thin. Very thin. You know what else was dangerously thin? Um, Gwyneth Paltrow legitimately worried me in this movie. I was concerned for her well-being. She is so gaunt. Yeah. Her poor, her poor little skeleton. All you could see was her little skeleton, and it made me so sad. And I re I we, Zach and I did a major Friends rewatch. We like re we, yep. just because I need something to put on in the background sometimes. So we rewatched all of that. Super homophobic show, but also um, really upsetting to see how thin, specifically Monica and Rachel are. Like Mm -hmm. at the time, you at the time you're like, oh, these women are very slender. Watching it back now, it's scary. Yeah, and and you know what? Socially irresponsible. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know we all knew that at the time, but like really watching it now, I think those women fucked me. Like (laughs) I don't know. Like I'm looking at them and I'm like, they're living skeletons. It was, if you remember, and I know you do, it, I think it started very much with Allie McBeal. And not yeah, that, like, no, oh, Allie McBeal funny. was, you know, the one that made everybody skinny. But you had, like, you, I guess you had those Calvin Klein ads, like, in the 90s, a supermodel was super skinny. Yeah, and the then whole you, heroin chic Yeah, you, Kate Moss and all that. Yeah. And it did. it, And for the, like, you look at it two ways, I think, because on one hand, there's something problematic about how judgmental we all were towards these women. Because mm-hmm. it was like they were crucified them as they so were much. slowly withering away. Yeah, and yeah. on one hand, that's really terrible. Yeah. But on the other, it wasn't so much like, oh no, some people are naturally skinny, and that's just the way they are. Like, no, no, no. Look at Courtney Cox five years before Friends. Look at her adoring Friends. Yep. It was very much the style for the 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 epitome of beauty in the '90s was look like you're anorexic, and it it was hard to watch that. So there was a lot of that in this movie. There was, yes. Oh, and speaking of friends, uh, nipple shirts. Yeah. Ooh, shirts yeah. that are, like, just normal shirts that you would wear to work, but that when your nipples are hard, they poke right through the fabric. And that being okay. Like, on Friends, it's there all the time. It's like they're wearing, like, Joel Schumacher's Batman suits. Mm. Only, like, they're women going to work and nobody says anything. And that was very 90s. That was very 90s. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the men and the women in this movie. Um, why don't we start with uh, the men? How's that? So 
Mike, you have, in this case, I guess, really two main male characters that are presented as romantic options. Uh, do you watch this and feel as a man that you are represented as on screen? Well, I really like John Hannah because I'm a big fan of the Mummy movies. He's so good in them. Oh, yes. John Hannah is the best in everything. Yeah, and I like him in this. Uh, I do too. Though, of course, he ends up being kind of a creep, but maybe not really. So, yeah, that was a little iffy as well. I don't know why he just wasn't more upfront and honest with things it's, because he seemed to be upfront yeah. and honest about everything else. It's such a screenwriting loophole of we need to create conflict where there doesn't need to be conflict, but it's a movie, so we need conflict at, at this exact time. So let's just yeah, it's have him really hide this annoying. thing about himself. It makes no sense whatsoever. I don't know if you got a chance to read the screenplay, but it was even more convoluted oh in the, God. the 95 draft. So, yeah, Mike sent me the screenplay. Christine, did you read it? I did, no, I didn't. I, I, I wanted to skim through it, though, because you made a good point about you were curious how so- something specific was handled. Mm-hmm. And I want to believe that there's a world where that screenplay handled things better. But... Uh, no, it didn't. Um, but as far as the John Hanna character goes... So in the original screenplay, there's also he's his ex he's also been dating his secretary, which is problematic in a different way. But of course it's the nineties, so it's okay. And then he was involved in a DUI, right? And like left the scene of the crime. Right. And so it's just the weirdest thing to have in there because it just makes this character who's supposed to be so I mean, in many ways, he's kind of a manic pixie dream boy. He is. He totally yeah. is. Like, he's perfect. He is sweet. He is charming. Um, it's established throughout that, like, he's a good person. Like, he does things for other people, which this movie, like, is very much, like, I think, Christine, that you were getting at, like, there's no big stakes and people aren't doing anything grand for humanity. <laughs> Whereas, like, mm-hmm. with him, like, you get the sense, like, no, 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 like, he's actively helping his friends and helping his mom and all that. Um he, but he exists solely for the purpose of, like, romancing Gwyneth Paltrow at this exact perfect moment. Though his penchant for quoting Monty Python was a little much. It gets really annoying really fast. I mean, and this is coming from a Monty Python fan, but I know better than to do any sort of performance in public. I mean, unless I'm with, like, a, the drama club in high school. Right. Yeah. But after graduation, you don't do that. It almost felt like the scene... So there's a scene where there's a dinner party, and he's just... It's like a, a, a good minute to two minutes of him doing Monty Python. And you wonder if that was like, a, okay, just start doing this. We're going to film it, but we're probably going to cut it like just to establish it, just get everybody in the mood. This is one of those scenes that you're not going to hear voices. It's just going to be a montage. But no, they actually play all of it. And it's just uncomfortable to watch in a weird way. Yeah, definitely. Especially because you're kind of like a voyeur at that point, and it's just yeah. like you're not with them in the action. You're more from the side, so you're just like, oh, if I was at that place and those people were there, I want to walk out. Right. It's like sitting at a dinner party where somebody's like, oh my god, you know that scene in, in Pulp Fiction where Samuel L. Jackson does that speech? I'm going to do the speech right now. And it oh, just keeps geez. going. And like, what do you do? You just sit there and you have to smile and laugh. But you make it into a movie, and it's not as fun. Yeah, Gwyneth is just eating that up with a spoon. Yeah. Well, but then again, look at her previous relationship. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Let's God. Talk about this guy. Oh, man. This guy and his eyebrows. Talk about thin eyebrows. Yeah. This guy is, has the opposite problem going on here. It's, you know, let's first establish 
he's just playing Hugh Grant, right? Like, that's who his character is. Like, in the initial, it, it's not in the script we read, but initially, in the script, it was written as Hugh Grant, right? I was getting a lot of Anthony LaPaglia from him. Well, the, he looks like Anthony LaPaglia. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, as far as, like, the mannerisms and stuff, right. yes, I can see a Hugh Grant, especially Hugh Grant past, post-Chastity Brown. Mm, yes, yes. It's just so much bumbling all the time, and it... Uh, now, here's a question. Should this... Would it have been better if this was a more attractive man? No. Why do you... What, what would have made... Would anything have made... Because my problem with this character is that he's just... He is the worst, like in capital, capital T to capital W... Everything about him is terrible. He's, I mean, he is abusive in many ways. He is cheating on two women and treating them both like shit and, you know, using his girlfriend to pay for his rent and all these terrible things. But you can't even say, oh, but, you know, maybe it's because he's really good looking or really good in bed or something. But they give him no redeeming thing whatsoever. Well, I, I, I hate to break it to you. But most people are in unbalanced and abusive relationships with people that aren't deserving of it. I know. <laughs> that, have, that have no redeeming qualities. You're not wrong. But is there anything in just... Because even at the beginning of this movie, Gwyneth Paltrow's character, granted she has, you know, quote-unquote mousy hair, she's still Gwyneth Paltrow. She's still like a PR powerhouse. Yeah, for sure. Like, they establish her in the beginning as being really confident at her job and being, like, I don't know, like a pretty modern woman in some ways. So why is she with him even at the start? Well, uh, you know? So I'm, I'm to believe that he just became manipulative. I mean, I think that he probably was a manipulative person. And she may have thought he had things together. I mean, he... I think that was his apartment that he, like owned or something so like maybe at one point he's working and he has this place and you move in with him and he's funny and you guys are fucking and it's great and then he's like hey i'm gonna write my novel and you're like oh he's a writer writer. oh he's going to pen a novel and it's so exciting and then you realize that he's just trash I don't know, like, he didn't seem like a good guy, and I, I don't know if that, even if he was and like, he he had hit a writer's block, and now he was depressed, and that's why, I don't care, like, across the board, he sucked the entire time, and I don't know, it, it was insulting to have, <laughs> to have two broads being like, I'm going to upheave my entire life and be miserable, because you're... You, that D yeah. is so good. No, I don't think so. Well, and that's he did, the other. He, yeah, he'd be a very man, though. Right, like all the women are faking their orgasms with him. He's not even good in bed, apparently. Mm. Oh, but yet, but look, man, mediocre white men. Yeah, they yeah. rule the world. That's true. <laughs> like, or I should say, we rule the world. They're not oh. far from mediocre. <laughs> um, it was stupid and that it's like so there's a disconnect there didn't seem to be and i think i get what you're saying emily like maybe maybe you had you would have been appreciated more if we had any indication that their relationship was ever like fulfilling and good and i guess they try in the i know this um story where she misses the train 
when he takes her out, she gets fired, so he takes her out drinking. And, like, there's something a little bit where, like, you could see, like, he does make her laugh. Like, he knows what she needs that night. And there's elements of that part of the scene where you're like, okay, this this is kind of working, but it's the only time you ever get that at all. And it just makes it, like, unpleasant in that sense. And I guess that's what kills me about this is at least if there was, like, charm to it somehow, but he's just also because he's the stammering is so forced, even when she's calling him on it, that it just ends up being unpleasant to watch in some ways. I don't know. Mike, well, you... she's not even sleeping with him. Like, she right? says that it's been three months. Yeah. Now, did you find, Mike, that you, like, liked watching one story better than the other? Oh, well, of course, I like the, the John Hanna yeah. and Gwyneth Paltrow story a lot more just because it was him and right. he was so charming in it. And I love that Scottish accent that he has. It was great. He has a great Scottish accent. Except every time, I just always want him to just say Jupiter's cock all over and over again like he did <laughs> Spartacus. It's never like a complete John Hanna performance without it for me. But, <laughs> you know, we, we all have our thing. Um, okay, so th- let's. there's female characters we have to talk about. Uh Let's let's dive right into Jean Triplehorn. Lydia. What happened to Jean Triplehorn? She was on top of the world yeah. for a while. She was in so many I can't say great movies, but definitely <laughs> some very noteworthy movies in the nineties. And I know she's still around, but mm-hmm. I don't watch like Criminal Minds anymore. It just got too upsetting and I did not watch Big Love, but yeah, it was she was just there ba-bam you know the firm basic instinct water world and then that was it yeah well she had that perfect um like you know she, she has that perfect physicality i think for certain roles that were big in the 90s because she is like she's this tall striking brunette with these big eyes she can play power really well and this is one of those frustrations i have with this movie because i think she's doing everything she can but I think this character is so problematic. Christine, where did you fall on her? Um, annoying, abusive caricature. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the fuck this movie was. <laughs> it, like maybe maybe '90s Christine would have been into it, but like, I don't know. Yeah. It was just really. It was a gregarious. Um, display of everything that is bad well i think because <laughs> put that on my tombstone well that in some ways is why i go back to maybe if jerry had been a better looking or a more striking man because it's one thing for gwyneth paltrow's character to kind of be with him because okay whatever they've been together for a while now all this but you have lydia who's presented as this confident sexy successful businesswoman why is she obsessed with this man well i guess it's because she's the woman scorned because he chose gwyneth over her what a few years ago she says something like that well she leaves him like i think she had left him she went back to america okay and then so then when she left him like they broke up and he eventually started dating helen so when she comes back, she expected him to just drop everything and be with her again, and he doesn't. And this makes her obsessed with him? 
to where she um, shows she takes off of work and shows dude, up outside of his window just when he pulls the blinds. Oh, that like, fatal attraction scene. moment was really crazy. It's, it it was a it was a movie centering female characters written in the nineties by a man. Yes, I, there's there's no no. This is the type of shit that makes women think that these are normal relationships. Make people think that. That makes just rando people think that, like, (laughs) yeah, I'm a mediocre dude that kind of sucks in bed and has nothing to offer financially or creatively. I can pull Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, and yet I have two beautiful women fighting over Fighting, yes, obsessed I'm impregnating both of them, no less. Um, The line that really got me is when uh, Lydia says to him, you know, Jerry, I'm a woman. We don't say what we want, but we have the right to be pissed off when we don't get it. And that's when I wanted to throw my phone across the subway, but then I would have had a sliding doors moment. So, hmm. Which I totally did, because as I was, I was like running down the stairs and I just missed a train while I was watching this movie. And I just wonder if I had come home five minutes earlier, would I have walked in on Brannon, you know, having sex with Gene Triplehorn? I don't know. I'll always wonder that. Wow, lucky yeah. Brandon. Yeah, right? If he can get her, if she can do this walk up apartment, then good on her, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, it is re- now, and along those lines, let's talk about the other female character who exists in that very 90s way to be a best friend. I'm surprised she wasn't 200 pounds. It, it like, it, she, this poor woman has you know a a life presumably or does she because every single thing she does in this movie is purely revolving around helen it's kind of weird is it not yes i don't think that this movie passes the bechdel test it probably doesn't i don't see how it could every scene of her and is it angela anna anna um Yeah. yeah annie they're always talking about one of the men um, or it's Helen and Lydia talking about, you know, uh, Jerry. So no, I don't, um, no, no, this does not in mm. no way, but poor Anna doesn't even get anything of, I, I, it's, I, she's always home when you need her to be home. She is always there to support you when you need to be supported. What does she do for a living? That's a good question. Yeah. yeah, I have no idea. Like, maybe those two could have gone into business together or something. But yeah, what's her business? What's her life? Does she exist when Helen isn't around? Is she just a figment of Helen's imagination? <gasps> well, she does show up to both Jerry and um, James at different moments, right? Yeah. yeah. And I like She's how just, interchangeable those guys are. She just sits on the are. couch waiting yeah. for somebody to walk in and start talking to her. <laughs> She's like a robot, just <laughs> yes. waiting for input. Oh, it's really sad. I kind of want that movie now. I mean, I, with James and Jerry, I know that they're spelling Jerry with a G in this, but I mean, those two names are so similar that I was having a real hard time, too, when they're talking about them. And I'm just like, are you talking about James or are you talking right. about Jerry? Which one is James? Which yeah. one is Jerry? Quick, change your hair so I know which Gwyneth Paltrow I'm dealing with. Yeah, and I remember when she got that haircut. I think this was when she was dating Brad Pitt, because I think I remember reading either a Liz Smith column or an Inquirer column about how when she got her haircut for this movie, she cried, but Brad Pitt held her hand throughout the haircut. 
Oh. Yeah, that's oh. yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it works on her. I couldn't pull that hair off, but it does work on her particularly gaunt face, I guess. She was in five movies this year in 1998 with Emma, Sliding yeah. Doors, Great Expectations, A Perfect Murder, Hush. Sorry, I guess six, and Shakespeare in Love, for which she won an Oscar. Wasn't Hush one of those movies that was like filmed and shelved for a while? It could be. This was also that era when she just kept playing British characters for some unknown godly reason. Yeah, to the point where I thought maybe she was for a little oh, while. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a whole I mean, there was a Saturday Night Live sketch, I think, where like the whole thing is that she's acting British, and and everybody's like, "No, you're not really British, are you?" It's and I wonder because. <laughs> You think of when you try to do any accent, like you kind of pull up whatever, like the one phrase, like, you know, pack the car in the garage or Pepperidge Fab cookies or those different sayings you hear that like, and for me, I always go back to her in Hook when she has one line in the movie and it's her first movie because, you know, her daddy was friends with Steven Spielberg. So that's how she gets cast and stuff. And her line is just like, Peter, when Peter Pan flies into her window. And I just feel like that is the basis for her British accent. I think you broke me. She probably played Wendy when she was eight years old in school play. And that's her British, like, she did the posh accent then. Well, she, she she says Peter like that in Hook. She does. That's Peter. Your reference, right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. I thought you didn't realize what you just did oh, no. for a second. I was like, wait a second. You fucking did it. You nailed it. <laughs> no, but I think that was like her. Okay. I know how yeah. to say that word. Okay. So I get it. I, I can be British. I just have to speak very posh and say wanker. Oh, man. And there's that scene that's in the script that isn't in the movie where she goes through and reads the riot act to every single guy in that conference room, which gives the character a little bit of power. But then they cut that out. And which they I think just was right, leave. though, because well, in that scene, she's real. Again, she's like confident and kind of badass. And that doesn't make sense for that version of that character. True. But they do leave the line in when she leaves and the guy just says, told you, lesbian. Right. And it was like, oh, nice. Yeah. Because that's another frustrating thing. Like, and again, this is written and directed by a man, by Peter Howitt, who also did um, Antitrust, which I never saw, and Johnny English, which I never saw. Uh, but there is, in the beginning, this whole clear line that she has been working in a man's world and doing a bang up job but that they wanted her out. And that's interesting. And that would have made an interesting character, but it abandons all of that. And that is never a thing in either of the stories afterwards. Right. Other than her helping out James and his buddy, what's his buddy's name? Clive to open up that restaurant. So we get to see kind of that she knows her shit, but not really. Like I don't, I, I just hear Clive going, Oh my God, this is great. And, that's about it. Well, and there, that's where like things get messy, too, because it's like, oh, there's only six days to open this restaurant, so they open it in six days. But then she's pregnant, like, two days later, and she knows it, which is not the way pregnancy sticks work. Uh, so there's that messiness. But I don't know. I guess when she's a waitress and we see her getting, like, hit on by men and it's supposed to be, oh, she talks back to them. But I don't know. Like, maybe if she was a social worker or something, like... It's that problem of so many of these romantic comedies when it asks you to be so invested in this person's personal life, but it doesn't give you any reason to care about them as a human being other than to feel bad for them. Right. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it's. I mean, it's such a a horrible thing about so many romantic comedies where it's just like, okay, here are these paper dolls, and we're going to have them move around on mm. screen. And this one's got the gimmick, and I appreciated the gimmick, yeah. but yeah. And the gimmick is why it's still worth watching, I think, especially if you've never seen it. It is a movie that's been referenced in things. Like, there was a great Kimmy Schmidt episode all about them um, going to see Sliding Doors and, you know, the light, what would have happened if things changed. There's a great Broad City episode, uh, I think Mindy Project. Actually, as I'm saying this, all of these stories I'm thinking of. So Mindy Project, Broad City, Kimmy Schmidt. Um, There's a book by Lionel Shriver called The Post-Birthday World, which Lionel Shriver also wrote we need to talk about kevin so mm-hmm. female like all of these stories that are typically about women and maybe there are some about men that i'm just not thinking of that didn't come to me but all the ones that come up in my head are all very female stories that use this trope and it's always kind of something similar of just oh if you made that one little difference in life your romantic life would have been different or something about i don't know and it just it's interesting now as i'm saying this is this something women think about more than men? Hmm. Are y'all into the multiverse a lot more? I don't know. I like a good multiverse. I miss the train all the time. Like I, I take the train and the buses. So quite often I'm sprinting across a busy street to try to catch a bus on time. And if I don't catch it, I may get to work 10 minutes later. Who knows what I'd miss? <laughs> I wonder if it's because women have historically had such a lack of autonomy that there's this feeling of blowing in the wind mm. and I could have just been blown in a it's different direction, different direction. And, and things oh, yeah. could be different. I don't want to, I mean, I know that I've had periods where I feel like I've been at the whim of other people's decisions sure. to kind of push me in certain directions. So I wonder if it's 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 a manifestation of, of kind of that feeling of just like us not having firm grounding mm. in like like I, I know this it's a bold like blanket statement and plenty of women like say when they're 12 I'm gonna be a lawyer, lawyer and then they go to law school and then they're lawyers and that's what they do and they fucking own it but there are a lot of people that don't sure right. have that experience well yeah I wonder too like you're bringing up all those stories and my mind immediately went to Russian Doll which is another yeah. good female led uh, thing where it's also talking about like different decisions and then each episode having you know what happens if you go this way versus that way what happened if I turn right when I came mm-hmm. in on my apartment versus left yeah yeah it is and it it's it, it's an interesting thing I'm trying to think of male or store films or books that do this with from a male perspective and I'm coming up short but I'm sure they're out there and it just is something that makes you think and I guess I don't know as as women do we second guess ourselves more in life probably um for a lot of societal and cultural reasons so perhaps that's part of it I don't know Hmm. it made me think a little bit too of the thing I I guess I'm like the positive I pull from this aside from John Hanna who I think is easily the highlight is the whole you know the movie ends and so in both cases we have Gwyneth Paltrow in one case getting hit by a car and the other falling downstairs like women always do uh and good Gwyneth or happy Gwyneth dies and unhappy Gwyneth Gwyneth lives and within that like there's probably some things to pull both ways but the positive I take out of it, and it's kind of similar to what I said about Timer, I think, is this idea of 
Um, sometimes you have to go through the hard stuff to find more positive, right? That if the, when you suffer, you can grow more from that than if you didn't in a way. Um, it made me think of Peggy Sue got married a bit of her going back and then, you know, yes, I could change my life and not make the mistakes, but m- the mistakes I made are ultimately what made me the person I am today. I don't know. How did you guys feel about the ending? Um, so I had a, I thought I didn't care by that point. Um, <laughs> but like, there's a, so both, both versions of, of Gwyneth get pregnant, right? Yes. I'm not mis. Okay. I want to make sure I wasn't misremembering that. So she, um, loses the baby in both scenarios. Yes. Um, so the scenario where she doesn't get hit by a bus, and I actually made the joke when she was walking in the street. Oh, I hope this <laughs> version gets hit by a bus. <laughs> and then she fucking does. And I kind of felt a little bad. It's just at the point I, I was really not invested, and I was I was being shitty and wanted to be done with it. And that's not a fun place to be with a sure. movie. Because then you, like, lash out at it. Um, but then the other version of her is effectively, I don't want to say she's pushed down the stairs by that guy, but, like, she kind of doesn't she falls down the stairs because of him yes so like i blame him for her falling down the stairs she loses the baby in that scenario i mean not to say that they're not both equally awful and again i understand that that arguably this is well it's an unwanted pregnancy and we don't know what she was going to do what her planning was but in the scenario where she falls down the stairs she legit says thank god that she lost her fucking kid falling down the stairs like that's awful. No, did anybody else pick up on? I did not catch this. No, me no. She's like super into the fact that she lost her kid. Wow, I didn't like catch a... that at all. Jeez. And I get like, look, and I completely respect the fact that she was with a tool bag, got pregnant, and didn't want to be pregnant, and could potentially have chosen to end the pregnancy herself. But that's not the same thing as is like forcibly losing one's child in a right. traumatic accident. Right. And the the movie kind of says that it is. It's kind of like eh, that's taken care of. High five. Like what? If I was on the way to get an abortion, fell down the stairs and lost my baby, I would still be super upset about. It. <laughs> I don't know. I but don't you just know saved why. like two hundred bucks. I was gonna say the same. I don't know. I think I'd be okay with it. That's how this movie treats it, though. It's like, well, good thing that's over. <laughs> that was a lucky break. What? <laughs> Again, I'm kind and, of with Mike on that. Like, I kind of feel like, oh, good. That's, you know, um, now I don't have to, like, deal know. with certain aspects of this. But at the same time, you're right. That feels very much like a man wrote this story about a woman's miscarriage. And, and misunderstanding, like, the yeah. weight of the decision to maybe not move forward with a pregnancy. Like, it, and it was very throwaway. And, like, it was, it felt icky. And I know that I had just made the joke that I hope she gets hit by a bus. And so, and I said that I was out of this movie. So maybe I'm reading much more into that than was intended. But, like, Zach and I had the same reaction when we were watching it. We were like, whoa, did she just say that? <laughs> I can't believe I missed that. 
And maybe, again, maybe I'm bringing my own shit to the table, like, thinking, like, I'm done with this movie, this is stupid, I don't care. And then she said something innocuous, and I was like, oh, what are we doing? Right, right. But, like, that's really how I walked away from it. And I I don't know, it just felt like, and, and here's all this trauma in a neat little package. Let me tie a bow around this woman's emotional abuse, and now she's lost a child. <laughs> Good for her! Okay, and and we're done. And we play Dido's thank you. Like, this was a good experience. I, I will say that, and again, this is just a tribute to John Hanna. Like, when when he is told, oh, you knew she was pregnant, right? And he's like, uh-huh. And then has to sit there and say goodbye to her. Like, I was touched by him. I was emotionally invested in him losing her. Because I... I felt for him. I believed him. I cared about him. I wanted him to be happy. Even if I didn't really care about her, As like, if she made him happy, I was cool with that. I can totally see that, yeah. And then, I mean, at the end, when the sulkier, the one who's had the shittier time, Gwyneth, meets him, then you're like, oh, she had to go through all that bad stuff in order to enjoy all the good stuff now. And it's like, well, that's a little bit like punishing the good girl. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, again, that's 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 digging a toxic idea into people's heads that you have to go through trauma and misery in order to deserve or appreciate good things. That's not a healthy outlook. This is not a healthy movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because I'm going back to when, like, what I said earlier, what, what I remember saying about timer of, oh, you know, the relationships that don't work out are sometimes the, really important relation- for making you who you are for the relationships that will. That's different than than abuse and trauma. Yes, you're making right. you appreciative of somebody who's not going to treat you like garbage. Yes, because next to Jerry, like I don't know, if Donald Trump Jr. came up to you, he'd be like, oh, you know, you're not that bad." So, it, it, I just feel like this this so I'm not saying this is the progenitor of bad ideas, <laughs> but like it sowed a lot of negative things that that had been normalized and have been normalized for a really long time yeah like it's it it felt irredeemable and gross to me yeah no that's fair i think there are a lot of things in this movie that age really poorly when we look at it from 2019 eyes and that's probably a good thing that we're able to look at this and say gene triplehorn's character is ridiculous and it's unfair to have made any woman that character uh yeah at least they don't in the screenplay there's so much licking liquor off of each other's bodies right so at least we don't get that too much in this movie well it's weird too that it isn't i don't think she gets hit by the bus does she it's more of an intertubal pregnancy she just yeah she just has a miscarriage and it's like a, a deadly miscarriage that kills her yeah but she gets hit by a bus in in the movie, in the original screenplay, she doesn't. She just collapses and has a miscarriage. <laughs> I got so fucking confused. It's like, you guys, we did watch the no, same Christine. movie, right? <laughs> you imagine that part. Yeah. Oh, that's a little... Now we're gaslighting Christine. Yes. <laughs> that's a little bit less traumatic. It just feels like, why does she have to get put through all of this trauma? Yeah. And yeah. like I and like honestly, waiting tables is tra- traumatic too. And like the shit that Jean Triplehorn does, like like lies to her and humiliates her and gets her to like d- like deliver her sandwiches. Do you know how demeaning that would be? Oh, it's that so is fucked a up. Really awful movie. Yeah, they're so mean to her. I don't even like Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> I feel a lot of empathy right now. 
Yeah, what the Gene Triplehorn vengeance plot upon this woman who she does not know is, again, like, that's really problematic to me. Because it's taking a character for, that has no... Uh, it's not even redeeming value. Like, this woman isn't a character. She is just an evil... She is Cruella DeVille. And no woman is like that. No person is like that. Yeah. And she deserves to do so much better. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying how, like, June Triplehorn could do so much better than Jerry. I'm trying to find the lyrics to that last song that they're playing before the Dido, because I want to say that the lyrics are really... (gasps) You're right. Spot on, like two on the nose, where it's something like "She's alive, she's alive," and I'm just like, "What the fuck?" No, you were right about that. I caught that too because I, I watched it with the subtitles on, just in order to understand all of John Hannah's Scottishisms. And I remember thinking the same, like these. I don't know this song. These lyrics are really on the nose. Right. Okay. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Oh no. And I can like picture the you know the CD soundtrack to this movie just being you know in tower records everywhere because there are a lot of like amy there's an amy man song on here i think there might be some alanis i'm not sure but it is like female it's it's if you know what it is it's sometimes if you ordered from delia's you might get a free cd i wouldn't be surprised if one one of those cds was a sliding door soundtrack you got this when you renewed your uh your subscription to entertainment weekly completely yes Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to picture if there was ever a cover with of, of Sliding Doors, but probably not, because this was kind of an under the radar release. It was British. I mean, this this everything in this movie is British except for, G, I guess Gene Triplehorn and Gwyneth Paltrow, but it wasn't expected to be that big. And I feel like it was kind of a good sleeper hit where it it did well. It you know moved everybody's careers along a little bit. Uh but yeah, and I think there are so many people that it'll be interesting to hear how this episode plays with our listeners. Because I feel like when we said we're doing Sliding Doors, a lot of people got really excited and said, like, oh, I love that movie. And I don't know if they've watched Sorry. it in 20 years. I don't know. But it's, there's things that are charming about it. That really? Okay. John Hannah's charming in it. And that's kind of it for me. But I don't know. It's a... Uh... It's it's a 1998 romantic comedy tragedy, romantic tragic comedy. But here's the thing, like I knew that this wasn't for me. I didn't go into this thinking I would like it. So like if we weren't covering it for the show, I would have never watched it cuz I know. Sure. I know that I won't like it. So why am I going to watch something and then shit on it and then people that do like it'll be like, "Oh, right, I right. like this." I don't want to be that person. Like I, go ahead, like it. I think I would have <laughs> to everyone. Uh, as much as I, like, ultimately I, I didn't, I'm glad I watched it, because it was, again, really interesting to revisit. I think I would have been probably even harder on this movie if I hadn't seen it 20 years ago and liked it then. Because there's things that charmed me as an 18-year-old that I can still see why they worked for me then. But watching it now, it it is, like, a lot of, you know, you, the problematic aspects of it, um are more obvious, I guess, to my old age, uh, you know, bitter eyes. And the problematic stuff obviously is there and like, oh, of course, if you go into a movie looking for things you won't like, you won't like it. But I also don't like the fact that it didn't have a strong narrative and the story seemed trite. Mm -hmm. It wasn't it wasn't interesting other than that that 
premise of like, well, what happens if someone's life diverged at this exact moment? Right. Which like I've seen better episodes of TV, like you said, better episodes of TV with like high concept plots like that. I, I, it felt over long and like they weren't really getting anywhere. So aside from the problematic stuff, I wouldn't have really, other than the premise, I don't feel like there's anything here. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mike, how do you feel in the end? Well, I'm glad I watched it. Um, I, I definitely still feel like I liked it way more than Christine. But <laughs> I, I think you guys brought up some really good points. And as we were talking about it, I was just like, yeah, that's problematic. Yeah, that is too. But I mean, watching, it's funny because one of the episodes of the projection booth that I was just editing um, was from 1998. And there's a lot of problematic stuff in there. Yeah. And I think going back and pulling back the veil of nostalgia and looking at things with fresh eyes is going to present us with a lot of things where it's just like, oh, yeah, that's really not good. But I think that's a good thing. You know, it's better to look at things more truthfully and, and see what was happening, especially when it comes to some of these romantic comedies. And you're just like, oh, yeah, that's that's not good. I think also because you you look back and try to figure out, OK, did this have an effect on me then or on other people like me then and and that's why I, I always pull up Scott Pilgrim as a movie that I have a huge issue with that I know a lot of people don't or think like I'm over like kind of harder on it oh that movie is terrible I fucking hate that guy the guy he's awful right he's a terrible terrible human being if he can be called a human being thank you because i get it the movie's delightful there are things in that movie that are so innovative that are really funny i think brandon routh has never been better than he is in that movie but at the core of it is this really toxic kind of awful young white entitled musician dude And I look at that, I'm like, that's the guy that all my friends were in love with and treated them terribly, and they thought it was cute. And I see that movie as being, like, emblematic of this, you know, problematic male character that, for me, is just so personal to, like, things I went through and things my friends went through. And with a movie like this, I don't know, I don't think I, I, you know, modeled my life on Gwyneth Paltrow having seen it. Um, But another 90s movie of the same era that I've been like scared to rewatch because I think I'm going to see a lot of things like that is, is the craft. Yeah. Yeah. Like loved it when I was 14 and watched it. And I worry the more I've thought about it, there are things in that movie that I think are uh, that today I'm going to watch it and say, I wish I hadn't let this affect my life when I was 14. And that's where I think it's totally, you know, Oh, really? I recently watched it and it played fine. Okay. But we're different good. people. That's good. We're different people, though. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched it in a while, so maybe I'm overthinking certain things. That I loved. I thought it was meaner than I remembered, okay. and I loved it. Okay. I, they're so mean to Skeet in it. It's so good. Oh, and then Feruza's stepdad, she kills him. Oh, oh, so good. I mean, she kills him with magic, but like, it's, oh, I don't know. Watch it. I want okay. to talk about it. You know, I was going to say, I'm like, we're going to cover that in like two episodes. So that, that's, <laughs> we've decided that here. Craft is coming up. Yeah. So maybe I'm, maybe that'll be fine. Uh, yeah. I'm really curious. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but it's that, I don't know. It's, it's that question that I guess we look at now. And I know it's, it's come up a lot with a lot of like John Hughes movies when you watch them today and you just list off all the things that are 
not even like, oh, they're offensive now. No, 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 no. They're not offensive now. They should have been offensive then. And right. we, we looked past them because it was a story of an underdog and, you know, we didn't care. And, you know, it's, it's just an interesting process, I think, that we're all going through now in 2019. Um, and a movie like Sliding Doors, which isn't doing anything exceedingly evil, but there's just things about it that, um, I don't know, you, you see now that you didn't see then. It's a yes. Sometimes it's better to not go back. I don't know. I, unless it's something, to me, unless it's something that I have a specific, like, happy place memory of, like the Ewok movie part two. Uh, that's a movie I haven't watched in 20 years, and I used to watch it, like, every day when I was five. I'm sure if I watched that today, I would see a lot of problems with that movie. But I know childhood-wise, like, that made my childhood better. I think other cases where you just... I don't know. I guess if, if you if you watching it can can make a difference, can make the world better, then I say go for it. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. So no, was- Emily, I think I do the same thing. I just I was sitting here racking my brain trying to think of a example of something that I've knowingly avoided because I don't want. Mm-hmm. I just want to remember what it was and not what it actually might have been. Sure. Yeah. And then the flip of that is when you you find some things that are so much better than you ever realized. Um, and that was me with The Journey of Natty Gan recently, a movie oh. I loved as a kid, hadn't watched in probably 20 years, and sat down to watch it thinking, oh, I bet this is, I wonder how this is aged. Oh, it's aged amazingly. It is so much more adult than I knew. It is, it's, you know, it, like, there are things in it that you would not put in a movie today, but it's not, but purely because you wouldn't have a character smoking in a movie today and things like that. And so there's cases where you look back and you say, oh, I'm glad I watched that. Whether I knew it or not, that might have made my life better or made me, you know, a stronger person or a smarter person or something. Or, you know, or maybe I knew not to hitchhike because of that movie. So who knows? I don't know. We'll we'll see how the next uh, couple years of our childhood shake out on screen. (laughs) All right. Anybody have any more to say about Sliding Doors? We went a lot of places with that one. I'm good. Okay, Christine? No, I think I've, I think I've said my piece and right. alienated enough people. <laughs> I don't know. I still think people... It's on, it's on Netflix. I think people should... If nothing else, you'll enjoy the 90s-ness of it. So give it a go for that. Um, so before we leave everybody, uh, let us first leave you all with some recommendations. So Mike, as I told you, we always like to tell everybody something that is streaming somewhere on one of the many thousands of streaming services that are too many out there. Um, do you have anything that you would recommend people watch? Yes. I just watched the film American Tiger a few weeks ago from, I want to say 1986 or something, maybe 84. And it is just a little gift from heaven. It is uh, mixing Chinese mysticism, uh, martial arts, uh, Donald Pleasance as a TV evangelist. Oh, so many more things that are just too bountiful to mention because this movie goes everywhere. And it is just terrific. It will blow your mind in all the right ways. Uh, Sergio Martino, I'm looking at yes. it now. I mm-hmm. see um, Daniel Green is in this from Hands oh, of yeah, Steel. As, as nice. the baddie. 
Yes, Ooh. who survived. He's the only survivor, as far as we know, of the Jonestown Massacre. That's just a throwaway oh line. Oh my god, you're kidding me. A Miami college yeah. student finds himself framed for the murder of an evangelist's son. He hooks up with an Asian witch and a stripper to find the real killer. Okay, I'm into this. Oh yeah. Where is it streaming? Amazon Prime. Sweet. Oh my god. Amazon Prime has has just turned things around because suddenly they've added all of these terrible titles from the 80s to their catalog and I'm in heaven with it. Oh, it's fantastic because you get to see the VHS tracking, and yes, at one point the do. message actually comes up, like you know, SP recording <gasps> so, kind of thing. Oh yeah, That's oh yeah, the thing. it's great. Like Netflix suddenly got snotty about its standards and was like, "Oh no, if something can't be streamed in like 4K, then we're not airing it." And then Amazon was like, "All right, we'll take it," <laughs> and just yeah. throws it on there. Oh, I love it. Nice, uh, Christine. What have you got? Um, so. I don't think you've seen this, Emily, but I feel like you commented on something about it. Um, it is on Hulu, and it is called Assassination Nation. <gasps> no, yes. Okay, I have not seen it. Um, and it and it changed my life. Wow. <laughs> it. I would talk about the, ironically talk about movies you wish you could, you know, the, or that form was formative when you were younger. I wish fourteen-year-old me could have seen this movie. I I probably would have lit some things on fire if <laughs> it, it is like it's fucking amazing and it's not again a not a blanket recommend i could see a lot of people not digging it so if you don't dig it just like um hashtag horror right it's not it's not like hashtag horror but it's like it's got that same like, like millennial eth- kind of ethereal teens yep. who are like teenage girls now are alien kind of feeling like and I get that. Like, if you don't understand that, like, this movie is going to present to you a grouping of women that are like little Lana Del Rey's. Like, if you if you're not if you can't get there, then there might you might not be able to make it for like that opening hump of this movie. But like, if you can, it's it's a bit of world building. And if if you're if you're down to just sit and let it happen, like the payoff is so good. It, the, the action in it is fucking crazy. It's filmed so well. It is it it is a, a masterpiece in what it's wow. doing. I want to see this dude direct everything. It is so competently done. It is huh. beautiful and easy to follow and interesting. Oh, God. I loved it. Nice. When I saw the trailer for it, I remember thinking it looked like, what's that movie we watched with Final Girls that wasn't Final Girls? Tragedy Girls? Yes. I remember thinking like, oh, it's another Tragedy Girls. But then it kind of came and went. And all I've heard is a few people like you who kind of raved about it. Yeah. Um, it's on Hulu now. I, that's, I remember making a note to myself of, oh, I should watch that. I definitely need to watch it. Um, yeah. And I think I know that there are people that really like tragedy girls. It just didn't work, it didn't work for, for me, yeah. but I, I could easily see it in that same kind of genre of like, I don't know what these girls are talking about. Like, what right. is the slang? What are they wearing? Why is this happening? But like, this is, this is that turned up to like 10. Okay. <laughs> so I could see people. I even at, for a minute at the beginning, Zach was like, I don't, I don't know. What is this going to do? Cause this is a bit much. Yeah. My husband would probably but, hate it. <laughs> but like it, once it gets going, woo. Okay. And it's a bit on the nose at times, but sometimes you need shit to be sure. like explicit. I don't know. Everybody should watch it and tell me what they think. Mike, have you seen that? No, I haven't. I, I, um, 
possibly managed to procure an illegal download of it a while ago, but um, uh. haven't haven't been able to watch it yet. Gotcha, gotcha. What I hope you could download is actual blocks of time. That would be like the best thing. <laughs> it would be you know, super helpful. We've right? sent men to the moon. Why have we not found a way to freeze time? I want bubble I time, just exactly. where you walk into the bubble and, and time passes. And, yeah normally in there mm-hmm. but outside the world is stopped just frozen. Yes. yeah we wouldn't take advantage of it like just just for movies that's all yeah right um my recommend is on netflix and i actually found this now mike mike and i have other pop culture um i think loves in common uh mike you are also a fan of project runway is that right Hell yes yes we mm-hmm. need to talk about that we'll do that off air and um, and Jeopardy. You are also a big Jeopardy fan, are you not? Yes, I am. Every yes. night. Yes, same here. Uh, there was a question on Jeopardy a few weeks ago, and it was in one of like the movie or like TV categories, and usually I get all of them. And I didn't get this one, and I was like, I feel offended that I didn't know this. And it was like about, basically it sold it as, this is a Brazilian series on Netflix that is kind of like a Brazilian version of The Hunger Games. And I'm like, what? I don't know what that is. Why don't I know what right. that is? Let me figure out what that is. And so I watched on Netflix. It is called 3%. There are two seasons. And then the third season, I think, is going to air in June. This show is so good. Christine, have you watched it or heard anything no, about it? No, but I want to know, okay. know all about it now. It is a, it's Brazilian, so it's in Portuguese. You can watch it, sub, um, you can watch it with dubbing, but don't, because that's terrible. Uh, and it is set in this sort of dystopian future that looks like kind of poor Brazil. Uh, the show, one of the showrunners is the, the cinematographer from City of God. So it has that same kind of look. And in this world, there's everybody kind of lives in squalor, except for 3% of the world. And Hmm. the way that works is every year, everybody that turned 20 years old that year has to go, like, take these tests called the process. And so it's, like, word games and obstacle courses and all, like, mind games and all this stuff. And those who pass it, of which there are very few, then get to go live, like, in this paradise island kind of thing. And so you you have this mythology to it. You have, you know, a a resistance group. So you have moles in the process who are trying to undo it. You have this cast of all these, like, young, sexy Brazilian actors who you've never seen in anything. So you don't know who they are. You don't know who's going to live, who's going to make it. You don't know who your your main characters are. And they're so good. This This young cast is so good and so intriguing and... It's just really cool because you're watching a show that you have really no idea where it's going to go. You don't know who these people are. Uh, there are things that happen in season two where you main characters just die and you don't see it coming at all. There's, you know, there's like I would gasp at the end of episodes because there's things, reveals and everything. And it's just good. It's kind, And it very much it feels, I guess, spiritually like it's close to The Hunger Games. It's probably about that same audience, like... There's violence. Um, like there's, it's it's not completely PG. Like there's some nudity and stuff like that, but it's also just done really well. The, it's not crazy future, but there's just little touches of the future. The costuming is so specific and perfect, and so it's just one of those shows that like excited me to watch because I'm watching a show. And nobody else is watching this show, and there's something cool about that. So hmm. I recommend it. Give it a go. It's on Netflix. Mm, I think I will. Yeah, I, I think, Christine, I think you would really dig it. 
So Yeah, I have already added it to my Netflix queue. Awesome. I look forward to hearing what you think, Mike. All right, so uh, we are going to leave you, but before we do, Mike, where can t- tell us what's happening at the rejection booth and where to find it and where to find other things you do and all that. Well, you can find me over at projectionboothpodcast.com where every week, though uh, this week was a little spotty with doing some editing, um, I put out a new episode and yeah, we cover all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, you know, today is, uh, as we're recording this, it is the, uh, what is it, the Trans Day of Observance? Is that right? That sounds right. Okay, Trans Something Day like of that. Visibility. Yeah. And we have a movie about a transsexual stripper who is also a precog, and that is called Heaven from 1998, and uh, also very problematic, but that is coming out uh, probably within the next hour or so. And then, yeah, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? We're actually doing an episode on American Tiger. So, yeah, all over the board. Yeah, I love your variety. I really do. Thank you. It's one of those things that... And again, with your show, usually I can't listen if I haven't seen the movie, which is fine. Um, but it's like an exciting, just wild mix of both mainstream and indie and movies I've heard of, movie I, movies I haven't heard of. And it's just such a great chunk of time to hear to hear you talk so in-depth with very interesting guests most of the time. Uh, I mean, that one time you, what was that one episode you did with, um, on Psycho? Yeah, that, that one I could, I could take or leave the guest, but. Oh, wait, that wow. was me. Wait a minute, what? No, I kid. Um, but <laughs> folks, if you haven't listened to the projection booth, please do. It's wonderful. And Christine, any writing and such people should know about? Uh, I mean, I'm always trying, but. But but nothing nothing to really speak about. Um, I write things on Twitter. You can talk to me there. Well, and they can read your books. Where do they go to get them? Um, Amazon. Okay. What do they do when they go to Amazon? They can search my name. What's it's, your name? It's Christine Makepeace. Jeez, I thought I was bad at self-promotion, but you just... <laughs> I figure everybody already knows what my name is. <laughs> okay. Well, Aren't that was you? our episode, folks. Uh, come talk to us about how wrong we were about sliding doors over on Facebook in our group or at Twitter at Feminine Podcast. Uh, We hope you all catch that train, damn it.
see 